dive in to a brand new series, and it starts with this story I had many years ago. Maybe you've had a similar kind of experience, and you can relate to this. There was a day when my father told me, Steve, be outside your school. I think I was about seven years old. I'm going to pick you up after school today, and no expense spared, right? So there I was after school waiting for my father to come. School got out, the bell rang, and I'm waiting. And I see all the other parents come and go. And I'm still waiting for my dad to come. Four o'clock rolls around. These are the days, of course, where we didn't have no cell phones. We just had to have faith that what our parents actually said would actually happen, right? We couldn't run and call. I didn't have any money for a phone or nothing. So I'm out there waiting. Four o'clock, 4.30. Quarter to five, right? I'm like, this is getting cold outside, waiting for my dad to come. Finally, around five, my dad, I realized he ain't coming. So what do you do? You walk home. Walked home. I know, I was forgotten. I was cold. Couldn't get into the house because I didn't have a house key. I mean, it just gets bad and it gets worse, Right? Nobody had a key. I was banging on the door. Now, I do have two sisters, right? Neither one of my sisters heard me banging on the door. Okay, that just developed a whole nother story later on when I finally did get in that house. Finally, one of my uh, parents came in and let me in. It's like, what happened to you today? I'm like, well, you were supposed to pick me up. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Now, that's a story that we can laugh at, but when you are forgotten <laughs> and when you have those things happen to you like we have all had, life has a way of exposing all of us to things that happen to us along the journey of life that bring rejection, that bring a sense sometimes that people let us down or hurt or disappointment. And if we don't understand how to handle those issues in life that we all face, and those issues are going to grow and develop into something called bitterness. Bitterness is a root, and when bitterness begins to grow and bitterness begins to take seed, and of course I laughed that I, my dad came in and, and he, he said, sorry, I forgot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, never forget me again, dad. But the point is, your heavenly father does not function like our natural parents do. Your heavenly Father God, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up those who have gone through terrible situations in life because he is a good God. He is a good Father, and he cares about every experience that you go through in life. And, and so there is a healing process that happens when you learn how to receive healing from your heavenly Father. And no matter what your experiences are as we move forward into this new series, I know that by the end of it, we'll have a better understanding. So let's look into the Bible as we read Exodus chapter 15. Because we're gonna, we're gonna dive into this experience when Israel had been in captivity and in slavery in Egypt, and they were miraculously delivered from Egypt, and they came out, over three million of them, and they were, they were out of Egypt, but the truth was Egypt was not out of them. They were delivered of the physical prison of being in bondage and slavery, but as you follow their story through, they couldn't get rid of the damage that was already done in their soul. So let's look at how God helped them and draw some principles out of that today for our own journey and our own life. So I'm reading from Exodus chapter 15, Exodus 15, 22, 26. And this is what it says. Then Moses 
led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. Let me just pause there. Three days without water, I mean, that's like the longest you can go. And of course, they're in a climate that's over 35, 40 degrees Celsius. Not really sure how hot it was, but this is a hot environment. So this is becoming life-threatening. And they finally come to a place where they find water, and the place is called Mara. And it was called Mara because the water was bitter. Another word for that was poison. The water was poisonous, and if they would drink it, they would die. Now look what happens next. As soon as they find out that that water is poisonous, they began to grumble and complain. But they didn't just grumble and complain. They grumbled and complained against Moses. They didn't turn to God. They started to blame whoever they could find to blame, and Moses just happened to be the closest person to God that they knew, and so they began to grumble against Moses, and this is what they said. What are we to drink? Let me just pause there. This water, this bitter water, is, is like looking at this beautiful, ornate chalice I have. As you can tell, it looks like uh, £5.99 from uh, eBay, but anyway, here it is. And this word poison, this poison was inside the soul of the Israelites. The water of Marah revealed what was already in their soul. What was in their soul was the bitter experience that they'd had to endure for many, many years in slavery. And so the reason why they didn't understand how to pour out their heart to God is they didn't know how to get the poison out of their own soul. They've been drinking this. That's why this poison chalice will be inside every one of us unless we learn how to pour out the poison and get it out of our soul and learn how to turn to God. And so as they, as they come, three million people, that was some serious venom that day. Pouring it out to Moses, pouring it out, the rejection, the pain, the heartache, and the hurt, and all the frustrations coming out of the people of God. I, I want to let you know that sometimes God allows certain circumstances in your life to reveal the poison that's in your own soul. But listen to me, God does not create bad experiences, God does not create negativity. He is a good God. But we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where things go wrong sometimes. Like today, my boiler has broken again in my house. You know when you have to boil a kettle to wash your hair, you know it's a bad day. Come on, somebody. And there's things that happen. Now, there's no devil in my boiler, right? I lay hands on the boiler. I've tried it the last couple of days. In the name of Jesus, light, light, light. That sucker ain't lighting. Why? Because the metal has fatigued in the boiler and it needs to be replaced, replaced, replaced. You might say, well, Steve, you don't have enough faith. You're probably right. I don't have the kind of faith that makes metal heal itself. I don't know how to do that. But I do know how to call a boiler repairman, hello, somebody, who will soon fix what is Broken, But the point is, in life, unless you know how to get help, then your boiler will stay broken. Your life will stay in a place that doesn't work and it's not functional. And so when they begin to turn 
to Moses and say, Moses, what do we do? Like, we're thirsty. We need to drink. And we're just drinking poison. We are bitter. What are they doing? They are revealing what was in their soul. And for the rest of their journey throughout the desert, for the rest of their time, you can find the Israelites grumbling, complaining, moaning and whinging about the circumstances. They, they, they complained that they didn't have enough food, and when they got food, they didn't like the food they have. They, they were complaining that it was too hot, and then when the, when the sun went down, then it's too cold. They complained that the journey was too long, and finally, finally, because of the poison in their soul, the entire generation except for two people died in the desert and in the wilderness because they didn't know how to get the poison out of their soul. Well, I thank God today that the Bible teaches us how to get that poison out of our soul. Because as they turned to Moses, they grumbled. And Moses did not join the grumbling gang. <laughs> he wasn't like, oh my gosh, what do we do? No, he didn't. What did Moses do? Well, go on and read it with me in Exodus chapter 15. We're going to continue reading. It says this, he turned to God. He turned to God. He cries out to the Lord. And he says, God, what do I do? And as he cries out to the Lord, God shows him a piece of wood. The Lord shows him a piece of wood. Look at that. I mean, it's like, it's like this is not Moses' idea, okay? He didn't come up with the idea. The wood was there the whole time. Everybody was grumbling. But when God said, okay, here's your answer, grab the piece of wood and throw it in to the bitter water. That was the answer. Throw the wood on the water. And I know this, from now accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that the wood is referring to Jesus Christ dying on a cross. Dying on a cross for you and I. Even beyond that, the wood is referring to how Jesus died on the cross. That he was beaten for our iniquity. That he was stripped. That he endured shame and hardship and difficulty. And because Jesus has endured all of the bitterness and the rage and the hatred and the sin that we could ever imagine and a million times beyond that, that means that Jesus will make us better. Jesus will make us whole. Jesus will bring healing to the deepest parts of our soul because he is the God who heals us. And suddenly, the water that was bitter, that bitter water had been changed because he brought that bitter water in prayer to God. And some of us have been drinking poison for a long time. We've been drinking and, and pouring it and drinking it. And I think that God wants to learn how to drink from a different cup. He wants to exchange our cup of poison for a cup of life. Because when Jesus, he, he, he comes into our world, he comes into our life, he comes into our family, what he does is he literally poured himself out like a drink offering, the Bible says, so that we could drink from the cup of life. The cup of life is what Jesus replaces for all of us. And even though the Israelites were drinking, now the water that was no longer bitter, now the water was better, they still had the poison in their soul. They still had the grumbling and complaining. And I'm saying that because you can come to church. You can be a part of a vibrant church and still 
have problems dealing with your soul and dealing with the poison. And I want to let you know, welcome to the club. I mean, like I said earlier on, I mean, I know what it's like to experience rejection and know what it's like to experience loneliness, know what it's like to have been let down, and I know what that's like. And so when I, when I think about those things I've endured with, I want to, you know, I don't want to drink from the cup of poison and stay reflecting on bitterness. No, God is asking us to find the root of our bitterness and then drink from the cup of life. So church, here's to a great future with Jesus together in the house, right here in West Yorkshire and beyond because of what Jesus has done for us. Let's raise a glass and say cheers. Come on church, God is with us. Let's not be so hard on ourselves or hard on each other because we're going to go through tough experiences in life. I get it. Life isn't easy, but Jesus still is here for each and every one of us. You know, in the worship, in the worship, you know, it's so clear in the New Testament church that Paul the Apostle wrote scriptures like this in the book of Ephesians. He said, take huge draughts of God. Drink him in. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. What are we doing? We're exchanging and pouring out our poison, and then we're drinking in more and more of Jesus. Poison is a diluted substance. Did you know that? Sometimes poison can be overwhelmed simply by drinking more and more clear, fresh water. And of course, we live in a place in Yorkshire where we have the best, finest water in all of the earth, somebody. We do. Yorkshire's finest, clear spring water, clear without poison. But not everyone has that. You can go to some places and you can see stagnant water. One of the best ways you can get moving you can get that poison out. It's just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward because what happened next is the Israelites were moved from that location and taken forward, but not before God made this point. Read with me in Exodus 15. God says this. The Lord issued a ruling and an instruction, and he said, and he put them to the test, and he said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, What's happening? God is helping his people eat and drink the word of God. The word of God is living, it's strong, it keeps you fresh. And when you turn away from what your past and from what your present experiences tell you, and you pick this book up, what are you doing? You are drinking the cup of life. And then of course it goes on to say this. Listen to this, because it gets better. God says, if you do that, I will not bring on you any of the diseases that I brought on the Egyptians. And this is the point. For I am the Lord that heals you. You see, all that Israel had experienced, God was using the water, using the circumstances, the frustrations, the disappointments, so that they could understand that God is the God who heals us. You know, I don't need everything in my life to be well and to go well and to go right before I worship God. I don't need everything in my life to be all lined up and perfect for me to, to just uh, question my love for God. In fact, I found the opposite. <laughs> when I'm in a place where things are not going well, I find that God seems closer, that his arms are extended to me. I can enter into his presence. Why? Because I'm drinking from the cup of life. And I know that Jesus, he knows what it's like to endure suffering and pain and rejection. I mean, think about Jesus. He's there on the cross. His mother is crying at his feet. He's 
stripped naked and he's there and he's been beaten literally beyond all recognition and all that's happening so you and I could have the sting removed from death. That is good news. That is good news to know that we never have to go through that kind of pain because of Jesus and because of his healing. And so I wanted to talk about how we drink from a different cup. I want to talk about, you know, what are we drinking? Are we drinking more poison, more bitterness? Or are we learning how to shift and drink from a different cup? Drinking from a different cup. Oh, that tastes good. (laughs) Drinking from a different cup means that we come to a place where our soul feels refreshed. You know, you can work really hard. You can put lots of hours in. You can be able to carry a lot of responsibility. But you can be in a place where you're not burned out. You can be in a place where you're not physically and mentally, emotionally, and socially exhausted. You can be in a place where you know that God is with you, helping you in the center of everything that you're enduring. Or you can be in a place where you've taken your family vacation and you're, you've, you've slept and you've had you know, good food and you can yet, you can just feel exhausted. What's the difference? The difference is, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? In a time of adversity, don't drink poison. Drink from the cup of life. In a time of challenge, you know, don't gossip and complain about the problem. Learn how to take that situation directly to God himself. Learn to just put a filter over your eyes and over your mouth and over your ears and turn to God. Why? Because bitterness will grow if you let it grow. What is bitterness? Bitterness is a mixture. It's an emotional mixture. It's like if I took... If I took a little bit of anger, if I took a little bit of hatred, if I put those things into a cup that we've mixed together and they produce bitterness. But I've learned in life that the number one reason I believe people experience bitterness and become offended is because of unfulfilled expectation. Unfulfilled expectation, unmet, unrealistic expectations. And when that happens and you get in a place where that bitterness starts to grow, the Bible uses this word called offense. Have you heard that word before? I don't mean like defense and office in sports. I mean like being offended, right? And being offended sucks. It really does. Is there anybody here who's ever been offended in their life? The rest of us are liars. I mean, we're gonna go through these moments and these times when it happens. But what I've learned is this, that Poison is more deadly than you can ever imagine. That poison is more deadly to you than the person that you're hating. So you gotta be so careful when you get this and you start to think about this because this poison can grow and it can become this root. And the Bible calls it a root of bitterness. And so I'm gonna break this down in three stages so we understand what this offense and what it is and what it looks like. The first stage of offense is this, the offense has occurred. I was forgotten after school and I was offended. I was forgotten when my wife forgot my birthday. That actually never happened, but you know, I I was forgotten when I was overlooked in a pay rise situation. I was forgotten when my friends forgot to invite me to their party, their birthday party, their meal, I was forgotten, I was overlooked, I was neglected. Now when the offense occurs, that's stage one. Stage two is the feeling of offense. This is when the offense starts to find a life 
of its own. In other words, now you know you're offended, right? And you're like, stupid friend, they should have invited me. Or why, she, why didn't she remember? Or why didn't he remember? Or my children are not treating me well. So the feeling is there. Stage three is the important stage. How you deal with the offense. How you deal with the offense, that's, that's the most important section. Because we're going to be offended. We're going to recognize the offense. But how we deal with that is so important and vital. And this is what I've learned tonight. This quote I've, I've heard, I wanted to bring it to us, that, that to live offended is like drinking poison and hoping that the person who offended you will die. Right? It just makes no sense. Like, like, okay, I'm hurt, I'm rejected, so I'm drinking the poison, I'm stewing, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on social media, I'm thinking and stewing in it, while the person who hurt me or offended me, they're off living their life having a good time, right? It just makes no sense. And so what Jesus talks about is how we forgive that situation. Read with me in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says this in a way that is so clear, and I wanted to refer to it. I want to read it and turn to it, and if you're taking notes, read it later on in your devotional time, because it is so excellent at getting this out of our soul. 12.15 says this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause, and listen to this, trouble and defile many. Think about that. If a root of bitterness starts to grow up, it will defile many. Think about the Israelites. A root of bitterness grew, and three million people lost their destiny because it grew. I mean, this is important stuff. You know, it's like, I know it. You might be thinking about the person that offended you right now, and you're like, oh, gosh, Steve's been offended. This is why he's preaching this message. No, I'm good, everybody. I'm good. I'm actually, I think I'm in the best team and the best church and the best marriage. I'm like, this is really good. And so my life is in a place where I'm really blessed and I love uh, talking. I love great conversations. love all that. I'm just saying that because I think that it's our job, all of our job as the church to see to it, because the Bible says it right here, that no one falls short of the grace of God. That's not the job of just a few of us. It's when you notice someone and you notice that they're beginning to question God and they've got a root of bitterness and it's starting to bear root and it's starting to grow in them. You've got to realize that if that root grows, it will defile many. What's that mean? Their marriage will be affected. Their kids will be affected. Their relationship will be affected. And so that's why we have to move from this sense of recognizing the root to figuring out, okay, how do we fix this? So let me take you to another scripture. Proverbs verse 10, Proverbs chapter 10 verse 12 says this, hatred stirs up strife. Hatred only happens when you've been drinking the poison. But then it goes on to say this, that love covers all offenses. There it is. Love covers all. The more you drink the life of Jesus, the more your love grows and the more you can handle tough conversations, and you just love the people that you're with. And so if you've ever been in a place where you feel like your spiritual gas tank, if you look, think about a car, your spiritual gas tank, if you think of like life being like the days when you're full, and then the days when you're running on empty, you gotta know where you're at in your own spiritual journey. 
And you've got to live your life in a way that if you feel frustrated and you start to feel like you're empty, you've got to receive more of the love of God personally. Because when you receive more of the love of God personally, those little things that niggle you, they won't niggle you anymore because you're just full of the love of God. Oh, I wish I could be better about this. I wish I would have understood this better in my own life to step out of the traffic and keep loving and receiving love from God the Father so that I can love better. You know what I want to do for the rest of my life? I want to love people better. I do. I actually love this church. I'm not trying to leave it. Some people might, but I'm like, I love this church. If I wasn't the pastor of this church, I would join this church. Because I love this church. Because I love the people in this church. I love the honesty, the authenticity, the people I've done life with. I look around, I see so many incredible people that I deeply love and deeply pray for you. And as I think about you, I think this church is too good just for us. We've got to get more people in this church. But what about the people who are offended? And they say, oh, there's no love in this church. Well, you know what? That's not true for me. As I, there's no love here. There's no love in this section of breath. What do we do? We receive more of the love of God. And as people start to pour out a toxic thought or pour out the things that are bothering them, what do we do? We're not judging them. What did Jesus say? That we love people. Turn to the person next to you and say, I deeply love you. We're kind of in a relationship series here. I deeply love you. Deep, I mean, come on now. Turn to the other person and say, I meant it. I mean, deeply, deeply, deeply. I deeply love you. Why am I talking about this? Why, why is this important to me? Because I have experienced, and I, I, I started this off by a lighthearted story about what happened to me at school. But the truth in my reality is, I have nearly seen bitterness, nearly seen bitterness wipe out my family, wipe my life out, my sister's life out, and my entire destiny in God. Because I've seen bitterness close up. And my bitterness started off when my mom was abused, physically beaten by her parents when she was growing up in life, physically abused, to the point where she, she lashed out looking for love, didn't know, didn't know where to go, didn't know where to get it, so she had sex when she was very young, got pregnant, one of the early times of having sex, had a child at 16, feeling unloved, married at 17, divorced by the end of the 17th year, and became extremely bitter because of being rejected, being dejected, and then seeing my sister that was born in that time period feeling rejected because the father, the natural father, didn't want anything to do with her. And this bitterness began to grow and take root, and it took my mom over 60 years to get rid of that bitterness that grew. But here's the great thing. A local pastor, and I was emailing him this week, who lived in that part of the world in Wenatchee, Washington. His name is Jerry Beebe. Jerry, Pastor Jerry, he decided that he was gonna love my mom despite the things that she was going through. By then, she had gone through all kinds of rejection. She was hooked on uh, medication, prescription medication, and 
just really struggling with her bitterness and trying to medicate and trying to get out of this any way that she can. How did that change? When Pastor Jerry, together with a bunch of Christians from that local church, started to love on my mom, started to visit my mom, and started to overcome her offenses, pour their heart out. And then mom would call me and I'd love on my mom too. And we became a force. And so by the time my mom finished her life, she died a few years ago, towards the end of her life, I want to let you know, she was pain-free, bitter-free, healed, because she experienced so much emotional healing. And I know this is so important for us to process. I'm no psychologist, but I know a little bit from different readings that I have done. And one of the things I've read I wanted to share with you, he was, he was, it was written by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, and he said this, that forgiveness is a scalpel that removes emotional scars. Think about that. Forgiveness is a scalpel. Emotional scarring does not have to be the end of your story. You don't have to stay emotionally scarred. All you have to do is learn how to keep drinking from the cup of life. When we keep drinking from the cup of life, we keep drinking. Every time we're hurt, every time we're rejected, every time we feel that pain in that sense, drink from the cup of life. Have another drink. Have another experience with Jesus. Go deeper in your Bible. Go deeper in your serving of Jesus, and you will be unoffendable. You'll see stage one, the offense has happened. The feeling of offense will come up, but you'll be in a place where you take your offense and you refuse to drink from the cup of poison. That has no place in my life. In fact, I'm getting rid of the cup. I don't even want to come around me. I don't want it anywhere near me. I want it gone from my world. Oh, yeah, the temptation is, where'd the cup go? I'm going to go find that cup again. Oh, my gosh, if you only knew what Jock said to me this week, everybody. I mean, what he said about my communication and my preaching and my leadership, I was like, brother, I mean, we're going to have a chat. We're going to have some trouble. I'm like, no, 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 no. Instead, I'm going to say, thank God my brother is helping me building with me, praying with me, in the battle with me, helping with my children, helping in areas you'll never know about. How, thank God for what Richie and Stacy are doing. I mean, they are with us, an incredible couple in our house. And they're not perfect, but they're as close to perfect as you can get in our church. Building together, loving together, praying together, standing together, raising kids together. And I could go on and on and on around the church. I could talk about people like Richard and Sue Waters, and, and I could talk about Maddie Law, and, and I could keep going, but I'm going to stop because I'm, I'm gonna, my time is gone. But that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, church, we're never going to be immune from pain. We're never going to be immune from frustrations. But when we drink the cup of life together, what we are going to experience is the goodness of God this side of heaven. <laughs> <laughs>